Well, happy summer, everybody. Hey, I'm Pastor Tim. It is a privilege to come into your home today, wherever you're watching from. We are starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers. And a couple months ago, I want to tell you where this came from. I got a letter from a woman in her 50s who said, Pastor Tim, can you teach me how to pray? Not just simple prayers, you know, God bless this food, but deep prayers, powerful prayers. And I knew that she was serious because she didn't just send her letter via email. Check this out. She actually wrote it out on paper. Look at this, 14 pages, a handwritten letter. Now, if you are under the age of 25, I want you to know, this is what a direct message looked like back in the 1990s, okay? And in her letter, she wrote about how she actually grew up Catholic. She became a devout Christ follower in her 30s, and she's been a believer for over 25 years. Listen to what she said. Say, Pastor Tim, I'd say my understanding of prayer is at a 20, 25% level. Can you teach me to pray with power? And she described how she often prays kneeling at her couch. She actually writes out her praises, her petitions, confessions, in a prayer journal. And as I read, I thought, are you kidding me? This woman could teach me. She's actually a very faithful prayer warrior. But as I read it, I really understood what she was getting at. In other words, she wanted to move beyond the safe, polite prayers that a lot of Christians typically pray. Why don't you take a second and think about the prayers that you prayed this week. Would you describe them as powerful or kind of pathetic? Would you say they were, you know, down and dangerous or safe and polite? In my opinion, a lot of believers today, our prayers, guys, are way too safe. Think about what we pray in the morning, right? We say, you know, God, watch over my day. Keep me safe. We're, we're asking just for safety. Or God, thank you for this food. Bless my lunch. Safe. Uh, God, keep us safe on our family trip double safe. <laughs> in, these, in this series, guys, we're going to teach you three brand new prayers. And I warn you, listen, these are not safe prayers. These are not easy prayers. These are not baby prayers. They're not harmless prayers. We're calling them dangerous prayers, but I mean dangerous in a good way. In fact, when you pray these prayers, you're inviting God to take you and stretch you out of your comfort zone and draw you deeper, closer to him so you can experience his power. For instance, in the weeks to come, we're going to teach you how to pray, God, break my heart. Like if you want a dangerous prayer, ask God to break your heart with what breaks his. Uh, another week we'll pray, God, make me bold. Pull me out of my comfort zone. Help me step past my fears and give me a bold faith. I I'll, I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Give me boldness to say whatever you want me to say. God, make me bold. Break my heart. We're going to teach you those dangerous prayers in the weeks ahead. But today, I want to start with a dangerous prayer that King David prayed in Psalm 139. And if you have a Bible, it's pretty easy to find. Psalms is kind of in the middle of the Bible. And David prayed this when he was actually under attack by God's enemies. They were actually accusing David of having wrong motives. But instead of getting defensive, saying, no, 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 I'm not the bad guy. You're the bad guy. David prayed a dangerous prayer that began with these words, search me. He invited God to search his heart and go beneath the surface to the inner thoughts and motives that nobody else could see. Now, I want to read this dangerous prayer out loud. It's from Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. We'll put them on the screen as well. So let's read these out loud together, church, okay? Wherever you are, even if you're in your apartment alone, you're out jogging, big loud voice, let's just pray this prayer together. Here we go, ready? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, as we unpack this dangerous prayer, I ask your Holy Spirit to unleash your truth, 
God, may the magnifying glass of your spirit enlarge and just illuminate any areas of our life that are out of whack and need to come into alignment with the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your amazing grace and love so we can be totally honest and transparent in your presence. Lead us now. Amen. Now, guys, this dangerous prayer is just two verses long. It's short, but let me tell you, packs a powerful punch. If you look at David's prayer here, you'll see it actually contains four mini prayers. Did you catch them? David prays, search my heart, know my heart, God. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And fourth, lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I want to quickly unpack each of these mini prayers And I'm going to challenge you to make this dangerous prayer of Psalm 139 part of your daily prayer life this week, every morning, okay? If you're taking notes, the first thing David prays is he says, search my heart. He actually says it directly in verse 23. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Now, some of you might think, well, Tim, why should I ask God to search my heart? I mean, he knows I've got a good heart, right? You know, I'm a good person, Tim. I've got a good heart. You've got a good heart. She's got a good heart. I hear that all the time from people. He's got a great heart. Actually, you need to understand something. Without the spirit of Jesus, you and I do not have a good heart. (laughs) In fact, according to the Bible, uh, you don't even have a so-so heart. (laughs) Jeremiah 79 reveals the true condition. Jeremiah says, the heart is, what's the word, church? Deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what God's word says. Oh, the human heart? Deceitful desperately wicked, like left in your natural state, unredeemed by the Holy Spirit, you're a disaster, right? Like we, de- think about it. We, de- we deceive others. We, we spin the truth. We put up false facades. We curate our Instagram feed so that projects a certain image. We preen and posture. We deceive others. But I think most of all, I'll talk about me, I deceive myself, right? We tell our, ourselves things like, hey, I'm not full of pride, God. I mean, what do, you, what do you want me to do? You surrounded me with all these stupid people, you know? <laughs> I can't help if I'm smarter than everybody else. I don't lust. I, I don't fornicate. I just appreciate a nice, fine physique once in a while. That's all. A little scrolling, you know? I don't, I don't drink too much. I, I have one drink. All right, maybe two. Maybe, maybe too much. <laughs> a gossip? <gasps> me? No. I just share my friend's problems so that others can pray for them more effectively. Really? (laughs) The Bible says the human heart is deceitful above all things. So you actually have to have a dangerous prayer that says, search me, God. Know my heart. Show me what's really down in there. Mixed motives and all. You know, I remember the first time that this verse hit my heart was a summer that I was in college. I went to a Christian school and it was a, a, a dry campus. In other words, no drinking, no partying. And I'm actually very grateful for that. But when I came back home in the summer, I would just kind of fall back in with some of my high school friends. And uh, let's just say they weren't choir boys. Okay. We played baseball together and they were those kind of, you know, Joey, Vinny, Seaside Heights kind of guys. <laughs> and so we get together on weekends and they were kind of party boys. In fact, um, one of them had a blue Camaro. And he would pull up to my house to pick me up, and he would always be cranking Def Leppard, okay? I know I'm dating myself, but like you'd hear the rumble blah, 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 the, of the Camaro, and then you'd hear, pour some sugar on me. And he'd pull up and be like, in the name of love. <laughs> Let me tell you a spiritual truth. If somebody pulls up to your house, blasting Def Leppard and devil horns, do not get in the car. Nothing good going to come of that, okay? I'm just telling you, that's a spiritual truth, and nothing ever did. 
we, we would go out in search of, you know, just good times, right? We'd order some drinks. We'd holler at the girls. I won't go into detail, but this was not a God-glorifying group, okay? And so what would happen is this. I'd be out late Saturday night mixing it up with the world, and then I'd come home dragging at 2 a.m., and then the next morning, because I was living at home, my parents would wake me up and say, come on, let's go to church. And I was like, ah. I was like, I still smelled like Camaro smoke. <laughs> and now I'm kind of rolling into church for worship. And it was like the worst feeling in my life because I felt like a phony. I, I, I felt like a fake. Like six hours before, I'm like, pour some sugar on me. And the next thing, I'm sitting in church singing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. <laughs> and I remember sitting in Sunday service and hearing the preacher Share this verse. Search me, God, and know my heart. See if there be any, listen, offensive way in me. And I couldn't kick this feeling that there were two Tims. You know what I'm talking about? Like there was the Saturday night Tim and then Sunday morning Tim. It was like two different people. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. In other words, I had a divided heart. There was part of me that was all in for God. I love Jesus but I also loved Heineken. <laughs> I had one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And this verse helped show me something ugly that I had with the Bible called a divided heart, a Sunday only kind of faith that was basically divorced from Monday through Friday. Now I'd like to tell you that I was like instantly convicted and I changed my ways overnight, but it took time. Like that, that change takes time. I would, I would sin and repent and repeat, sin, repent, repeat. In fact, on Saturday nights, what I started to do is I would prepent. You guys know what repent is. You know what prepent is? When my friends pulled up, I would prepent. I'd pray, Father, forgive me for what I'm about to do. <laughs> and, and that went back and forth for a couple of summers because I couldn't shake the power of this dangerous prayer. Search me, God. Know my heart. I didn't want a half-hearted faith. And I started to really be convicted by God's truth. I came across this verse in James 4. I remember this hit me square in the eyes. It says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And that convicted me that to be friends with the world is actually an enemy of Christ. And I knew God was calling me out that I was half-hearted and God's spirit was calling me to a wholehearted commitment. And so that was really the start of how God began transforming my mind and actually changing the desires of my heart. Now, I'll be honest, it was not pretty. It took time, but I want to warn you, when you pray, search my heart. It is a dangerous prayer because God will show you things in your heart that are not pure. It's not to give you a guilt trip, but it's to draw you, come on in, to a deeper intimacy with God as the Holy Spirit transforms you from the inside out. Guys, that's the goal of the Christian life. The goal is not to be a choir boy, but to be a fully alive, fully authentic man or woman of God who walks with integrity. In other words, counterculture to the rest of the world. I'm going this way, I'm going that way. And so instead of being fake or phony where you're like two different people, you know what God did? He gave me integrity of heart. In other words, my heart was integrated. So that it wasn't just Sunday only, but Monday through Saturday, now just walking in step with the Holy Spirit. David prayed, search my heart as the first part of his dangerous prayer, if you're taking notes. But secondly, he prayed these words. Let's read these out loud together. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. David had anxious thoughts. Anybody else deal with anxiety? Struggle with worry? David basically prays, God, 
reveal my fears. That's what anxious thoughts are, right? They're worries, they're fears, they're concerns about what might happen to you. Can I ask something? Let me ask you this question. What makes you afraid? Like really afraid? Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, you know, spiders or snakes or like external fears. I mean, what internally makes you afraid? What makes you anxious? Like maybe right now you're afraid of your job situation. You might lose your job. Your hours may get cut back. You might not find a job. Maybe you're afraid of, of, of not getting married by such and such an age, or you're afraid of being stuck in a marriage that you're in and it's not going to get any better. Maybe you're afraid that this pandemic is never going to end, okay? Or that the worst is yet to come. There's a lot of things to be afraid of right now. People are afraid of the future, the unknown. And let's be honest, there's a ton to feel anxiety about in our world. So why would we pray these words? Test me and know my anxious thoughts, God. Guys, this is a dangerous prayer for a very profound reason. You may want to write this down. What I found is what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. I want you to think about that. What we fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. In other words, if you're scared to death, you're not going to be able to pay the bills, then we're not trusting God to be our provider. If I'm, if I'm scared about my, my marriage or my single, single status, right? I, I'm not trusting God with my relationship. I'm saying it's all up to me. It's not up to God. If I'm afraid of what a health test might reveal, I'm not trusting God with my health. The truth is, what we fear the most often reveals where we trust God the least. David prays, God, reveal my fears. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. You know, last week I was prepping for this message and I was praying this prayer. And uh, as I said, you know, God, show me what's got me nervous. It was interesting because in my prayer journal, I listed four things. I said, I'm a little bit have anxiety about this pandemic, just the ongoing nature of it. You know, the coronavirus is now spiking in states that rush to reopen in the South and the West. I was like, that, that's got me anxious. I was like, I'm, I feel a bit of anxiety about the racial reconciliation or the reckoning our country is going through, but I want to help bring change and healing for people who are hurting. And I'm like, God, it's really difficult to do over Zoom. <laughs> Notice that? I wrote about a conflict with a family member where I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. I feel anxiety. And then lastly, number four is I had to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> I know, very spiritual. You guys know what a colonoscopy is? If you don't, just look it up. On second thought, don't, no, don't do that. Don't look it up. Actually, I had to see my doctor for acid reflux, okay? And he wanted to do an upper endoscopy. Basically, they stick a camera down your throat to kind of look around. Good news, everything's fine. Um, but they put you under anesthesia. And so they said, hey, Tim, while you're under, do you want to do a colonoscopy? Like, go down the front door or the back door. You get, like, both ends. <laughs> now, you're, I'm like, wait a minute. You're supposed to do that, like, when you're 50 or something. I'm still in my 40s. But they said, hey, you're going to be under anesthesia. Why not two for one? Bonus plan, buddy. <laughs> so I said, okay, search me, God. <laughs> I've never had that kind of invasive procedure before. And so I'll just admit, I was a little nervous. I had some anxious thoughts. But you know what God did? He actually used Psalm 139 to minister to me. See, we're just reading the last two verses here. But read this. David wrote this very rich and beautiful psalm that teaches us to put all our trust in the God who knows everything about you. The God who promises to love and guide and protect you in everything you do and everywhere you go. So listen to these words from verses one through six. David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out to work, my lying down at night. You are familiar with all my ways. 
before a word is on my tongue. You know it, Lord, completely. Think about that. God knows what you're going to say before you even think it. And then I love this, verse 5. You hem me in, watch this, behind and before me, and you lay your hand upon me. In other words, I've got you, I'm protecting you from all sides. David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. In other words, he's talking about God's omniscience. The fact that God knows everything, every intimate detail of your life, nothing is hidden from him. Just like doctors have to put a camera inside to actually see your organs, God's like, I got x-ray vision. I actually knit that together. He can see to the very heart of you. He numbers the hairs on your head. For some of you, that's very easy to do. <laughs> he, he knows your fears. He knows your worries. He knows your anxieties. And he says, when you're afraid, I want you to trust me. I'm not just omniscient. I'm also omnipresent. In other words, I'm always with you everywhere you go. Look what David writes here, verse seven. He says, this is beautiful. He says, where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? He's like, I can't even run away from you. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will what? Guide me. And let's say this together, church. Your right hand will what? Hold me fast. Isn't that beautiful? The reason David can pray this dangerous prayer in Psalm 139 is he had complete confidence in the loving kindness of this God. See, when you know that the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who accepts you, the one who protects you is watching over every detail of your life, you can actually rest. You can relax because you're not responsible for your life anymore. God is. And you can let God slowly reveal your fears and quiet them with his love. So practically speaking, before the colonoscopy, I'm just prayed right now through Psalm 139. I'm reading it before I, I go in and it just filled me with so much peace. I was like, Lord, you have me in before and behind me, you lay your hand on top of me. And I just started relaxing. And as I crawled up onto that cold, hard table, <laughs> I imagined I was actually crawling up into the palm of God's hand. Your right hand will hold me fast. I was like, Jesus is right here with me. He's writing my story. God's got this, so no fear. I can trust God with my health. And by the way, the test came back fine. It's to totally normal, no worries. In fact, <laughs> I don't know what they give you. It was the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Like the whole thing takes 20 minutes. It I was like, it felt like I slept 10 hours. <laughs> Remember guys, what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. So can you be honest? What do you fear the most? That's often where you trust God the least. So I want to challenge you guys. This week, read Psalm 139 every day. Meditate it on, on it in the morning. And just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a personal way. Like ask him to search your heart, to reveal your fears, test your anxious thoughts. And then number three, look what David prays, third part of the prayer. He says, see if there is any offensive way in me. Now let me warn you, this third part of the prayer takes serious courage, major league courage. <laughs> it's essentially saying, God, look carefully. Is there anything in my life that's offensive to you? Not offensive to others, to you. Is there anything that I'm doing that is inconsistent with your character? Is there anything I'm doing that, that's making you sad? Be honest, God, and uncover my sins. Now, why do we have to pray, God, uncover my sins? Have you ever noticed? It's kind of hard to see your own sins in the mirror. Like, 
let's be honest, it is super easy to see everybody else's sins, right? It's like, can you believe what she said? Oh my goodness, you wouldn't believe what he did. I would never do that. They are so out of line, but I am holy. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, um, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the what? The, The plank in your own eye. In other words, Jesus says, here's the truth. We tend to magnify the flaws of others, right? We point out the flaws of our coworkers, our family members. We make a big deal. We magnify their sins, but watch, we minimize our own. But Jesus said that's spiritual blindness. You actually can't see clearly when you got a plank of wood in your eye and she just got a speck of sawdust. And this is what I call the accuse-excuse paradox. Never notice this? I notice it in myself. I accuse others, but I excuse myself for the same thing. Guys, we do this all the time. For instance, have you ever been like out and you see someone, you know, kind of, you know, speeding through traffic, they're kind of weaving in and out. And, uh, and we say, oh, what a, what, a, what, a, what a reckless jerk. How rude, how reckless. I hope a cop pulls them over, takes their license, put, throws them in jail. We accuse others. But then what I notice is that when we speed, we say, well, actually, I have a very good reason. I'm, I need to pick up my daughter. I don't want to traumatize her by being late. It would be very rude to leave her waiting. So I'm just going to kind of tuck in and zip around a few very slow people. You ever do that? We accuse others, but we excuse ourselves of the exact same behavior. Why do we do that? The heart is deceitful. (laughs) Who can know it? And David says, that means you got to pray a dangerous prayer. God, I'm actually not worried about everybody else's stuff. Lord, uncover my sins. See if there is any offensive way in me. Is there any part of my life, Lord, that grieves you, that's offensive to you? And guys, this is hard to see. So I want to give you three helpful questions that you can ask yourself this week as you're praying, uncover my sins, God. These are actually from Craig Rochelle, who wrote the book, Dangerous Prayers. I want to give him full credit. But these three questions will help you become self-aware. So this week in your time with God, ask yourself this first question. Um, What are others trying to tell me? In other words, maybe you've had like two or three people say, hey, bro, (laughs) I love you. I am totally in your corner. You know I'm for you. I think you may have a little problem with this. I'm concerned for you here. Your, your off-color jokes, your, your drinking in the summer, it's becoming a thing. The, the way that you are reacting to this race issue is just, it's a little off. Listen to me. If you have people in your life who truly love you and they consistently tell you about an area of concern, that's something you need to pay attention to. God often uncovers sin through people who love you enough to tell you the truth. Not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. A second question to ask would be, What have I rationalized for some time? You know, that thing you've made a habit of saying, yeah, 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 that, you know, that may be a little bit off, but like, come on, it's not a big deal. This is how I roll, man. This is how I deal with life. This is how I cope. And we rationalize. We say, oh, it's my one vice. You know, I have one vice. Come on, I'm not really hurting anybody. Can I ask, like, like, get up in your grill. What do you rationalize? Like pornography, a little porn, uh, overeating, uh, you know, I'm stuck at home, overspending. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit one day, though. I'm, once the pandemic's over, I'm totally going to Really? Really? What do you tolerate? What do you rationalize that might be offensive to God? The way you treat your parents. Well, I don't take their calls. I'm short with them. I avoid them because they're offensive to me. Have you ever asked? Is this offensive to you, God? See, when you slow down like David does here and you ask these hard, introspective questions, you get really honest. You ask the Holy Spirit. What have I rationalized for some time? 
Now, the third question you might ask is, where am I most offensive? What's that area you're just not willing to talk about? Nope, Tim, we ain't going there, okay? Ain't nobody's business but mine. I ain't talking about that. Don't, don't judge me. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not angry. Why do you say I'm angry? Back off, bro. Blink, 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 blink. <laughs> Where are you most offensive or critical? Because that may be an area that the Holy Spirit wants to explore. You know, last week as I was praying this prayer, Lord, see if there is any offensive way in me. And this is a great time to get down on your knees with this part of the prayer. I was caught off guard by how God answered it, you know? There was nothing like major or big that I thought like, that's really offensive. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me through my wife, whose voice often sounds like the Holy Spirit. Shocker, married people, hey. <laughs> we were sitting at the kitchen table and uh, Colleen casually showed me this social media post from a church leader. There's, a, there's this prominent pastor, he leads this you know, big ministry. And she said, look at this. And I'm reading it and she goes, good for him, right? And I looked at it and I said, not really. She's like, what? I was like, he's just posing, Col. He's just posturing. He just puts stuff out like that to, you know, feed his fans. And she's like, okay, do you, you know something I don't? Because my reaction was like so abrupt. I was super critical. My, my comments were very judgy. And I acted like, well, he didn't know what he's talking about. I, I actually kind of questioned his motives. And here's the thing. I don't even know the guy personally, okay? Anyway, next morning, I'm having my devotional time with the Lord and I'm praying this prayer. Lord, see if there be any offensive way in me. And the Holy Spirit said, Tim, what was, what was that all about? I'm like, what about? Like your reaction yesterday. And the, and the spirit brought to mind my critical comments. And at first I was defensive. Like, well, you know, that guy, you know, he sort of, and I, here's a warning. If you ever find yourself praying and telling um, God about other people's sins, <laughs> you're on thin ice. I felt the spirit saying, no, no, Tim, why are you so judgmental towards him? And honestly, I didn't know. And I felt the spirit say, well, if you don't know, Tim, I'll tell you, you're judgmental because you're jealous. I was like, what? I, oh, you're judgmental because you're jealous. I, and I just wrote it in my journal. And I'll be honest, guys, it hurt. At first I got defensive. I'm like, God, jealous? What? I'm not jealous. Like, what are you talking about? And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of what Jesus said in Luke 6, 5. He said, what you say flows from what is in your heart or out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart or the heart speaks. So I just kind of sat with that. And I began writing my prayer journal and I realized, you know what? There's a little bit of truth behind that because I actually follow this leader on social media because I genuinely admire his leadership. And I, I've watched, you know, them navigate this COVID crisis, the racial turmoil. And honestly, for me guys, it's been exhausting. I'm like exhausted. There's like no easy answers. And this guy makes it look so easy like just effortless. He, there's always a soundbite with a simple solution. Have you ever done that? You watch someone else's you know, social media feed and you're like, must be nice <laughs> to live a charmed life. And it was annoying because somewhere deep down, I realized I did envy him. I was being judgmental because I was jealous. Ah, I, I just yuck, right? Like, ugh. like I even like, I had to pray to get in the place to share that with you because I'm like, oh, now you're going to judge me. You know, it's, just, it's ugly. It's ugly. This is an ugly prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. But when you have the courage to pray, God, see if there's an offensive way in me, watch out. God will answer it. He will point some things out that ain't pretty in your life. Tim, you're judging your brother because you're jealous. In other words, it's a two for one judging and jealousy, double sin. 
Guys, I'm being vulnerable with you because we all have these weak spots. Even your pastor. I'm just a human being. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. So when you invite God to turn his microscope on your motives, bro, you better man up because he's going to point some stuff out. He may bring up ugly stuff you've been trying to deny or rationalize for a long time. But here's the beauty. If you open your heart to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show you, God will not only forgive you, he will bring you freedom in that area. Look at the last part of David's prayer. We'll close with this. He says, see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Where does this dangerous prayer lead David? Lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, it leads him straight to our need for Jesus. Lead me to Jesus. This prayer, guys, is dangerous because it will lead you to your rock bottom need for grace. The radical love of God that you don't deserve and you can't earn and you can't pay back. Guys, I'm convinced the reason we rarely pray dangerously, God, search my heart, reveal my fears, uncover my sins, is we don't really believe there's enough grace to forgive, heal, and restore these broken places inside of us. But guys, this is exactly why Jesus came. Let me talk to you. Maybe you're watching today and you're not a church person, but there's something drawing you towards even God right now. Let me tell you what that is. That is the Holy Spirit. And when you pray and you ask God to search your heart, you will quickly realize you've done a lot of things wrong, right? I think we can all be honest, right? Yeah, I've messed up. <laughs> For chief of sinners. There are parts of your living even right now, maybe you're realizing, that are out of whack with God's purposes for your life. And if you feel guilty for those things, guys, that's actually okay. Godly conviction is a gift. Our, our sins actually point us to our need for a savior, a Lord, someone to lead us home to God. So when we become aware of our failures, you know, most people think they're like, well, you know, I'll, I'm just going to try harder next time, God. I'll do better. From now on, I'm going to work my tail off to be good enough for you, God. But what we don't realize is that the Bible says it is utterly, totally, completely impossible for you to ever perform or be good enough for God. You and I have fallen so hopelessly short of God's perfection, we can never be good enough to earn our way back to him. The fact that we are sinners simply shows we need a savior. And because God is perfect love, he sent you one. His one and only son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to become like you and me. Let me tell you something. Jesus hung out with people like you and me, the messed up ones the jacked up ones, the ones who didn't always get it right, the ones who had mixed motives, the ones with cracked hearts, the ones who sinned, who fell short, and Jesus never condemned them. Instead, he loved them. But he didn't love them and leave them there. Instead of you dying for your sins out of grace, Jesus died in your place on the cross for your sins. And on the third day, he rose again so that anybody, any fool, <laughs> this includes you, who calls on his name can be forgiven and saved. Lead me in the way everlasting. That's talking about eternal life. You know, some of you, as I've been speaking, you realize your need. You need Christ. You need God's forgiveness. You need God's grace and you need it now. Well, I have good news because Jesus died on the cross and was raised. The Bible makes a powerful promise to you. Last verse, 1 John 1, 9. Here's the promise. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That 
is the way everlasting. Jesus is the way home to heaven. And if you realize you're a sinner and you need a savior, that there's, there's junk in your heart like mine that needs cleansing. Maybe there's issues in your life that need addressing. There's broken habits that need healing. What do you do? It just says, you confess it to God. You call in the name of Jesus who is faithful, who's just, who will forgive you and give you his perfect life. You say, Jesus, give me grace. It's not complicated. Guys, this is how you do it. It's as easy as ABC. We always say the first step is just simply admitting your sin. Admit the truth about who you are. God already knows. You come clean. You get honest with God about what's in your heart. And it may be ugly. It may be dirty. It may be hard to admit, but you got to have courage to confess, I'm addicted, God. This is hard to say, but I'm addicted. Listen to me. Listen, lean in. God can give you his supernatural power to overcome your addiction. You can walk in freedom, but you have to admit it. You have to admit, God, I am full of religious pride and ego and jealousy. Ah, Jesus can give you a humble spirit that is totally dependent on him and cares for others ahead of your own needs. You got to be able to admit, I've got a lust issue. And you know what? It's out of control. You need God's truth to renew your mind, to transform your heart. Whatever the Holy Spirit shows you, it will always lead you to your need for grace. And guys, you can be completely honest because Jesus is a God of grace. He will never shame you. His spirit may convict you, but it's to lead you to grace, not guilt. So admit your sin and believe in Jesus. You say, Jesus, I believe you actually died for all that junk on the cross. That should have been me on the cross. So forgive me. I want your perfect life, your resurrection life in me. Give me a new power to live for you. Lead me in the way everlasting and I commit my life. You have to commit your whole heart. Listen to me. Not a half-hearted Sunday-only faith like I had in my 20s, but a wholehearted commitment to surrender everything to the control of Jesus. You've got to ask his spirit to come into your heart, live through you, and God will give you power to live in a new way. Not perfectly, but free from guilt, free from shame, free from deceiving yourself and others. If you're stuck in broken habits, Jesus will lead you in the way everlasting. You actually grow in freedom and grace and holiness, and he'll transform you from the inside out. He'll hold you fast in his hand and put new desires in your heart. So if that's your desire today, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. In fact, everyone watching or listening today, would you just pray out loud with me? We're going to pray this dangerous prayer together, big, loud voice, wherever you are. Let's pray these words from the heart. Pray them out loud with me. Here we go, along with David. Here we go. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, with all our heads bowed, we're praying. I pray right now for all those who are under the sound of my voice. We are giving control of our lives back where it belongs to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Receive the prayers right now of your people as they open up their hearts to your spirit. As we're praying, you might be watching online or listening. If you're here today and you know, yep, that's me, Tim. I can sense it. I I need to give my life to God. I need Jesus to forgive and restore and renew me from the inside out. Just pray with me right now. Would you pray this simple salvation prayer, ABC, right where you are? Just simply say, say these words. Father, I admit my sin. There's stuff in my life I'm not proud of. I confess it to you. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I turn from my sins. Jesus, thank you for loving me as I am. For dying in my place. Jesus, today I believe 
that you are raised from the dead. I ask you to be my leader and my Lord. Come into my life. I commit my life. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me your power to be who you created me to be. I'll live for you forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, let me warn you, that's a dangerous one. That's a life-changing one. In fact, I want to welcome you to the family of God. The Bible says when you pray that prayer from the heart, you're a new creation in God's sight, and we'd love to help you take some next steps in your faith, your journey with Jesus. So would you do me a favor? Just click the link below. Let me know that you made the decision to become a Christian, and our team's going to be in touch with you. I'll be praying for you. I love you, and we'll see you next week.